This is the SETN Podcast with Chris Goforth and Chandler Morrison, covering high school football in Chattanooga and the Southeast Tennessee area. The SETN Podcast. Welcome in this week to SETN Preps. Chris Goforth, Chandler Morrison, glad to be hanging out with you this week. We are getting closer and closer to the start of the prep football season. Chandler, it's hard to believe that in a normal world, this would be the week we would be leading up to the Jamborees uh, on Friday and Saturday. Now, we're not going to get that this year, but uh, we've got this week. This is our last week without football. Next week, we'll have actual football. We'll have games to talk about. We'll get we'll get back to doing our uh, you know our preview shows and review shows every week, and it's all going to start next week. Yeah, I mean, I can't wait for it, Chris. It, it just you know, it feels kind of normal, but it feels also not kind of normal. But, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing football out on the field and, and, you know, smelling that fresh cut grass and seeing some people popping helmets. Speaking of popping helmets, uh, the Red Bank Lions are set to to really pop some helmets this year. That is a very good football team that Coach Chris Brown has. We talked about them a lot last year. If you uh, follow us on Facebook, you caught our, our Facebook show that we did. And we talked about how just absolutely difficult this Red Bank football schedule is. So we're going to talk about that. We'll talk about these players that uh, that they have at Red Bank because, man, they've got some good ones. they got some Saturday guys that are going to be playing on Friday night for the Red Bank Lions. So we'll talk with Coach Chris Brown about that. That is coming up here in a few minutes. Before we get to all of that, though, Chandler, I want to take a quick moment uh, to run down a couple of things. We talk about the first Friday night of high school football being a week from Friday on August the uh, 21st, but actually there's going to be some games played to start the season on August 20th. Alabama's going to start on time. They will get underway August 23rd. You've got Arkansas and Florida both starting the next week, uh, the week of uh, – uh, of, of the 23rd initially Florida was set to start their season on August 20th and so they've pushed everything back a week so play will begin there on August 27th North Carolina is going to start week after next kind of wanted to kind of run down when some of the uh, states around us are going to begin high school football uh, Georgia is going to start September 4th Louisiana and Kentucky will start the week after that. Both Georgia and Kentucky were set to start August 20th as well. So they both push things into the month of September. And then uh, South Carolina, which was originally set to start play August 20th, they have pushed their season to the 25th of September. Virginia, by the way, will play high school football in the spring. So Virginia is going to play March the 1st. So just wanted to, we hadn't done any kind of new, uh, uh, news and notes uh, here on the podcast for the last, well, pretty much since last season. So I kind of wanted to touch on a couple of things. Chandler, you got anything you wanted to add? Yeah, I think that's going to be interesting with Virginia going to the spring. And I know we, we, we've known this for a while, Chris, but when you think about that, I wonder how much that will affect some recruiting. Uh, you know, because you've got a lot of kids that maybe in these other states would usually not, you know, have the same chance and, you know, maybe with some of those Virginia, you know, schools not playing until March, they wouldn't have, you know, they may not have, they may be later in the recruiting cycle than a lot of these other schools that are playing in the South. And, 
you know, I, I'm interested to see how that turns up. I'm not sure the ratio of Virginia, you know, high school players going to D1 as, as opposed to the rest of the, the South. But I think that will affect recruiting in ways that a lot of people aren't going to see right now. And I think that when you go to the spring like that, it's definitely going to, you know, turn recruiting around for some of those players and maybe give some chances to some guys that maybe wouldn't have got it before. There are, by the way, uh, 12 states that are not playing high school football this year, including Delaware and Hawaii, who both announced uh, this past week that they would not be playing. So the number is up to 12 where there will be no high school football. So, again, Chandler, we, we went through the whole thing, you know, over the summer where, you know, we were worried as to whether or not we would have a season. We hoped we would be able to get a season, and I think we both still hope that we're actually able to get a season in but at least at least we're going to have a start, and at least the season hasn't been canceled completely like it has been in some other places. So we need to be, again, even though it was kind of strange uh, what all went on and, and just kind of how we got to this point, the good news is, at least right now, we're here and everybody's set to play football for the most part. I think there have been a couple of schools around the state that have elected not to play this year but those nobody locally has done that, and I think those numbers, comparatively speaking, are very small. Yeah, Chris, I, I think I don't think anyone in our area will do that. And I, some of these schools are either not having it or they're delaying, you know, for two or three weeks. So they're going to lose. They're going to start out. I was talking talk about some of these schools. They're going to start out zero and two. I think that's going to be very interesting when it comes to playoff time, especially if there are some region matchups in that kind of situation. I think that could be an interesting turn of events when you get to the playoffs and we're looking at who's the number one, two, three, four seed. Chandler, I said it when you and I started doing our previews back, gosh, back back when we were all still on lockdown and nobody could leave their house or nobody was going out anywhere. We talked about it then, and and I, I mentioned a, a comment that Bob Bowlesby, who is the commissioner of the Big 12, made back then. Um, and this was back in probably April, early part of May, Bob Bowlesby, the Big 12 commissioner, came out then and said, look, some people are just going to have to be okay with the fact that not everybody's going to play the same number of games and that some teams may end up having to forfeit some games because of virus-related illnesses. And I think that's that may be what we see here uh, over the next couple of weeks. We may We may see some teams – that uh, we hope not, but we may some see some teams that may end up having to forfeit some games because they're not able to play. Yeah, hey, I'm, I'm right there with you, Chris. I think that's a real possibility. Hey, don't forget, SETN Preps, you can find us on Twitter, at SETN Preps. You can find Chandler, at Sports Chandler. You can find me, at Crisco4th1. Make sure you like us on Facebook. We put out a special Facebook videos, a, a podcast that we did video only, and that is available on Facebook. Go watch it. But it's our schedule podcast. We do this every year uh, where we go through and we break down some of the schedules. We talk about the matchups we we most are looking forward to. We give you a couple of underrated matchups. And then we talk about who has the hardest schedule. That, in my opinion, is the coach we're visiting with today. And that's Chris Brown, the head coach of the Red Bank Lions. Let's get to that. Here's our conversation with the head coach. How many times did you lose your voice this week? Uh, you know, just once, just once, which is a record for Camp Week. Uh, 
but uh, you know, the rest of it was just managing the fallout. So, <laughs> so first time, I guess I'd say, no, I no. guess I'd say the kids only gave me a reason one time, but unfortunately, it was good enough to last me all week. <laughs> For the first time in what feels like forever, you won't have Maddox Wilkie playing quarterback for you. Oh, I know. Tell us a little bit about that position now. What does it look like? or Is there a battle, or do you have a, a, a starter in place? Well, first off, uh, kudos to Maddox Wilkie and his illustrious career he had here at Red Bank High School for us. And Being the Red Bank's all-time leading passer is something to be extremely proud of um, now as far as what we have left. Uh, we had a uh, Second-string quarterback last year, who was a JV quarterback, he'll be a rising junior named Joseph Blackman, who we, we really like. We feel like he's the uh, solidified starter at this point and uh, really tailored some of our offensive elements around what he can do, which he has a slightly different skill set than Maddox. But uh, we're really excited to, to see him lead us down the field. B.J. Raglan, he's a beast. I know the offers are coming in for him. Uh, what are coaches telling you about him? Well, he's uh, he's tremendously athletic, and not just quote unquote for a lineman. He's he is athletic. Period. He just happens to be large. Um, they love his versatility. They love his length. They love uh, they love his IQ, both on and off the football field. So those are just some of the positives we're hearing about um, his collegiate evaluation, so to speak. Where do, what what position do they project him at in college? You know, he's one where the the higher the level of football, I think the more interior he'll have to go. I think he's a prototype Division One uh, Group of Five center, uh, but it doesn't mean that he can't play tackle for certain schemes. But I, I think he's going to end up being a center. Now he's been a tackle for you, right? Yes, sir. He'll be a three-year starting left tackle for us. Now, is there of our scheme. knowing what his future is? Do you take some time and slide him inside and have him work on snapping the ball? Well, I mean, it, it's there's he is always repped as a backup center for us, so he's practiced it his whole career here. Um, he he does it all. And we have plenty of practice tape of him playing center, and he can if that's what the the the, the five on the field dictate he has to do. Um, but we we're not going to do anything that uh, doesn't make winning a priority or winning a Red Bank football game a priority. So we need to do that to win. We will. And if not, uh, we know that he, he's done what he needs to do to show people he can play center. You got all five offensive linemen coming back. Is that the yes, strength sir. of your football team? Well, I mean, I, I'm very proud of where we, what we have at other position groups. But, you know, if you, if you break football down to what it is, I mean, that, it's won and lost in the trenches usually. So, the, yes, I, I have to agree that that is the strength of our football team is our offensive and defensive line. Coach, you know, you got probably one of the tougher um, – I'm probably under-exaggerating here – one of the tougher schedules in our area. Um, you know, do you, do, you, do you look at that schedule and think, man, maybe one of these teams will not be what we think they are. And then, and then it seems like <laughs> two years in a row now, you, you just – I mean, they just keep getting better, and that schedule just keeps getting more vicious and vicious on your end. <laughs> well, I mean, I have no one to blame but myself. After my first year as head coach at Red Bank, we – kind of evaluated where we were as a program and, and how far we can go as a, as a, as a team. And it just, it, it was glaringly obvious to me that we didn't, we were not challenged enough in the regular season. We just weren't playing good enough competition to expose our flaws to get us ready for deep playoff rounds. So I, I called the best teams that I could find relatively close that weren't private. And uh, lo and behold, they agreed to play. So uh, I'm proud of our schedule. I think win or lose, it does exactly what it needs to for us. 
So, I, you know, as far as wins and losses, I, it'll be what it is. Of course, we're preparing to win every game that we play. But in the end, we want to be good enough to win second, third, fourth round playoff games. And that's why almost, we've played it. Sorry, Coach. Do you almost you have to do that? Knowing what you've got, you know, when you get deep into the playoffs there, knowing that you've got Elko and you've got teams that you're going to face that are going to be like loud, and you almost have to do that to get ready for them and, and to be able to beat those teams down the road? Uh, th- that's my opinion. I just don't think – and all I have to compare it to is when um, – is my first year as a head coach at Red Bank. I just did not think our kids were prepared to play the level of competition that they – that they were playing in the third or possibly the fourth round. So, you know, in my opinion, yes, you, you have to schedule tough opponents. You have to put your kids in bad situations. and Otherwise, they're not going to have a false sense of security by how good they are or what they do and don't need to do. So, uh, you know, last year, even though we were fortunate to win most of our games, we, we were able to learn as the season went because we were playing great coaching staffs and great teams and great players. Were you as disappointed as the rest of us that you guys didn't get to play South Pittsburgh last year? Well, yeah, for many reasons. Uh, again, that fits exactly what I was just speaking on. A tremendous football program, tremendous football team, great players. Uh, would have been an unbelievable atmosphere. Uh, was pregame, all pregame. So, yes, I was very disappointed that those two teams and those two coaching staffs didn't get a chance to actually play on the film. I think that would have been a tremendous experience for everybody involved. Coach, I want to ask you about a couple of your players now, and I, and I want to start with uh, Del Monte and Demetrius. Mm-hmm. Is it Gustus? Gustus. Gustus. Uh, Del Monte and Demetrius Gustus. Monte and Michi. <laughs> impressive guys last year. I thought, especially yes. considering how much they played for you and where they had to play for you last year yes. as sophomores, right? I, I thought right. and, and at the level you guys played – for them to step in and play as well as they did, I thought it was really, really impressive. Oh, I'm glad you brought them up. Not a lot of people do. They're, uh, you know, they're hard nosed. They're tough kids. They're, uh, you know, Monte is uh, was a starting nose guard for us on a, on a line that I think was was and is very talented and drew a lot of double teams and was just a little battering ram. And then for uh, Demetrius to, to own that guard position and a in an offense that's built around offensive linemen who have to be disciplined, well-trained, and well-coached, uh, it said a whole lot about them and their youth. So very proud to see their, their next step forward this year. Coach, there's there's some really good playmakers, some really good skill guys all across the area this year. Mm-hmm. Would you trade anybody for Lemire Strickland? <laughs> uh, it's a little bit of a loaded question. Um, you know, first and foremost, uh, like most head coaches will say, we, we are tremendously rough on our guys. We, we demand a lot of them physically. And, you know, I'd like to think that we, we, we demand more of them outside the, outside the football realm than most do. So uh, I'm going to be biased regardless um, of their athletic ability. I, they, I love them. They've put up with my crazy hind end for three years. So that's saying something in itself. Uh, but to speak specifically on Lemire Strickland, I, I just don't think you're going to find a, a tougher kid, a smarter kid, a football smarter kid, or a better playmaker. No, no combination of all of that combined. I wouldn't trade him at all. You had him and Lucas Brown last year together, and that, that was almost unfair at times for both <laughs> of those guys to be on the field. Back to uh, Lemire for a second. How good is he? How good can he be for you? He's added some some maturity as far as physical growth. Uh, we would have loved to have had more of an offseason in the weight room, but 
the greatest drug on earth is puberty, and he's definitely experienced it. So he's carrying a little more weight in a good way. Uh, what he brings is just so much stability. I mean, he'll be a three-year starter in the, in the secondary and, of course, uh, a primary ball carrier on offense. And uh, there's very little about our offensive and defensive schemes that he doesn't know or have relatively mastered. So we're, you know, we're very thankful to have him back. And he's, he's tougher than anyone will realize. He's a tough little pine knot kid, and, and uh, he does a lot for us that, that people don't even know as far as the dirty work goes. He'll get a chance to play on Saturday somewhere, won't he? Yeah, he's he's blessed to hold, I believe, nine Division One FCS scholarship offers right now. I believe that's the count. Speaking of guys going the FCS route, I talked to David Bybee over at UTC the other day, and it sounds oh, like yes. there may be a there may be a little bit of a fight going on among the coaches there for who gets Lucas Brown. Uh, have you talked <laughs> to him since he's been at UTC, and how's that transition going for him? Because he was another one, great player for you last year. Oh yeah, no, true. Fantastic football player and basketball player here at Red Bank. Uh, I, I spoken with him as he was approaching his report in uh, date, and right now I believe his head's swimming with just trying to to get to and survive the early stages of collegiate camp. But um, it wouldn't shock me a bit if he's not asked to do a lot of things at the at the college level, just like we had to use him just about at every position, skill wise, uh, down here at Red Bank. But a great kid, tough kid, and just a natural playmaker. So they, they got a steal, in my opinion. I'm excited that he's local enough for us to go watch him. Great kid and great family. Yeah, he was a huge part of what you guys did last year. That oh, yeah. that combination between him and Maddox Wilkie, it, it was fun to watch. Now, he's gone. So tell me about this group of wide receivers now. Well, you know, I have to back up a year. It, it's funny. Everyone, not you know, I use the term everyone, but – a lot of people were very curious what would happen with life after Calvin Jackson, and I had to remind people, well, we had this other kid who had 400 yards, and, and I think he had seven touchdowns. He's pretty good, too, and I'll have to do the same thing this year. Lucas Brown's fantastic. We loved him. He's a legend here. Uh, but, man, Kel Eddins finished the year as one of our primary targets. Uh, he's just a, a big six foot three, 210-pound receiver who's so physical and, and can get under a deep ball and just a – just a presence on the field. I, I think he is poised for, you know, that 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 quote unquote breakout year that Lucas experienced this year. And then we have a returning senior named Lavelle Coffee, who's a, again a returning starter, who uh, in his own right, six foot one, long, great hands, uh, can get into the seam. Uh, we're not we're not short for playmakers. Um, uh, we're who have already played a lot of ball and made a lot of plays. I, I'm excited to see what they do. And then uh, I have to brag on, uh, we have a young guy named Josh Blackman. He's the twin brother of our quarterback, Joseph Blackman, and he broke his arm in the first JV game last year. But I really thought that he was poised to to push for a lot of varsity time last year as a sophomore. I think he'll have a good junior year for us. Cameron Bell, he looks the part, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, well, sure does. What's the next step for him in his game? Is he? Uh, do you feel like he's he may be ready to have that breakout year? Well, I, I think those that, that played against us would say that he had a breakout year last year. Um, but I think to progress his game, uh, what, what he really did well for us, uh, better than anyone could have expected, is he went inside quite a bit in our schemes. He he played a lot of interior defensive line for us and, and then was very uh, effective. I think his next step, though, is to be even more dominant and to be able to show that he can split double teams and, and, and use not only his initial – pass rush move but also his counter moves I think his his progression just needs to be his natural elevation of his game and I think he's ready to do that 
college coaches asking about him? He has, I believe, 29 Division One scholarship offers, most oh of them gosh. FBS range, wow. group of five range. He's, he's very highly recruited. Wow. I didn't realize that about him. To, yes, he, he was, uh, for the longest time, he was our most recruited player. Uh, and then B.J. Raglan, of course, I think he's up to now 31. So between the two of them, they're, you know, I think as a program, we're sitting on, oh, goodness, uh, I 85 scholarship offers since I've been here from Division One programs, but the, the lion's share between those three kids. But I have to mention, too, though, he's playing opposite of a three-year starter named Jaden Hyatt, the other defensive end, who's been just a stalwart on our defensive line and has, in his own right, grown. He's six foot three, about 220 pounds now, and he is he's really elevated his game. Uh, that's hard to do when you say you're a kid's a three-year starter, but between the two of them, uh, I think they're going to have a – I think teams are going to have a hard time scheming up which one to to try to shut down. When you get college coaches calling and, and, and asking about these players, do you have to remind yourself to ask which one? <laughs> you know, it's going into the third year, you have somewhat of a relationship with the guys who are calling, and it doesn't take long to realize, okay, this is Coach So-and-so from So-and-so. I bet he needs this. And then sure enough, I'm, I'm, most of the time I'm right. So. <laughs> Um, we're just we're just extremely blessed to have their interest and you know we've had recruitable players at Red Bank I think for a long time and now I believe the coaching staff the coaching staffs across the country trust that we're taking care of our academics Uh, it's a big part of our current program and you know it just makes our kids not only recruitable but signable and there's a big difference Um, so that that's we're just we're just blessed to have that kind of attention and I, I think our current senior class uh, we're going to end up having a lot of guys get noticed throughout the throughout the season, and and um, and it really poise ourselves for a big signing day, an earned signing day from the kids. Can you guys be better this year than you were last? Uh, we can always be better. You can be better if you win the state championship. There's still a lot that we have to get better at as far as our technique and mastering our schemes and attention to detail. So uh, we're we're in a constant state of improvement, is what we call it. Uh, even if you had a good day, it doesn't mean it was your best day, so have a better day tomorrow. Um, uh, so, yes, yeah, I really do believe we can. How tough has it been with no scrimmages, no jamboree? Does it make you a little more apprehensive going into this season, or is it maybe a little calming because you kind of know what you're going to send out there? Um, I was speaking with a coach um, from another side, another side of the state that kind of put it best. The only advantage through all of this is really returning experience. Uh, if you've got kids who've played before, you got an, you got an advantage because they're the only ones who, who have a clue what they're about to step into. So in that, in that regards, uh, I feel really good about the amount of players that we have that lettered last year that played offense, defense, and special teams. So that, that makes me feel better uh, than I think most programs would. Um, I'm I'm not so much concerned about the jamborees and scrimmages. I am just lost weight room time, lost training time to prepare for those soft tissue damage uh, injuries that are inevitable. I I hope as a country that we're not throwing lambs to slaughter and, and watching kids chew their bodies up um, unprepared. So we're doing everything that we can to get them coached up, but also the things that we need to do to protect them physically um, from threats that, in my opinion, are far more real than COVID. Though COVID is very real, I'm just saying there's a lot more at risk when you put a young man on the field unprepared to play the game. So we're just trying our best to close those gaps. Tell us about Region 3-3A. I know it's been a two-horse race, it feels like, with you guys in Loudon of late. 
but how do you view the region? Uh, first off, I think there's great coaching in our region, uh, underrated coaching in our region. So uh, no, in no particular order, maybe just working from Chattanooga outward, I think uh, Coach Roberts at Signal Mountain has done a great job of scheming against us and having his kids in the best possible uh, place to make a play. I think he's done a, a really good job there. And uh, Tyrus Ward over at Brainerd has has really rallied those kids and has boosted the numbers. And, and that's a team that's scary any given night. I mean, they, they have the ability to to run and, and, be, and match us athletically. So uh, that's a testament to him and the kids that they have. You always have to keep your eye on them because they're – they're, they're one off Friday night from being extremely dangerous. Um, and then moving out from there, I think uh, Sweetwater and McMinn Central showed crazy improvement last year, and it's a direct reflection of uh, head coaching changes for the better with two legends stepping in. Uh, I'm not quite sure what all they have returning because we don't play until mid to late season, but I know they're going to be well coached and prepared. And then, of course, Coach Harrigan Loudon has done uh, – a phenomenal job with his quick turnaround and a great run of kids. And I think they return a lot more kids than people are giving them credit for. They're kind of like us last year. They, they were much more than just a senior class. So uh, with his son as a junior quarterback, they're going to be they got an extremely tough out last game of the year and on in the playoffs, I believe. So top to bottom, uh, very strong coaching, um, very athletic players, and should play out to be a real competitive Thanks to Coach Brown for giving us some time. Pleasure to uh, be able to visit with him, talk a little bit about his kids. And Chandler, we talked about it on Facebook, on our Facebook Live video we did the other day. That schedule they have is absolutely ridiculous. That is a tough, tough schedule. If Red Bank can get through this, by the time they get to November, they will be as battle-tested as anybody in our area. Anybody in the state, I would say, Chris. I mean, you look at this. When you talk about the number of, you know, when, and it, just to tell you how insanely thing this is before I start talking about how insanely stacked the schedule is, in the Chattanooga area, no other team in, in class 1A, 2A, 3A, 4A has, has scheduled any more, has scheduled more than two 5A, 6A games, okay? So anybody outside of 5A, 6A, there's nobody that has scheduled more than two 5A, 6A games except for Red Bank. And Red Bank has scheduled four of them on that schedule. Plus, they get the number one team in Class 1A on top of all that, Chris. I can't think of a more stacked schedule for a, a small school. And I say that because, you know, Red Bank, I mean, they're, they're right there in 3A. They're right in the middle. But I don't think there's another team maybe in the state at that level that has a more stacked schedule than Red Bank. I don't know the stats right now. I just know in, in the Chattanooga area they had the most stacked schedule. And it is insanely tough. And like you said, if they can make it through that, I don't know what they can't make it through. Look forward to uh, to following the Lions this year. And you heard uh, Coach Brown talk about all the kids he's got that have offers. Uh, B.J. Raglan uh, is is a guy that is getting a a ton of notice and a, and a bunch of looks by a lot of programs. I'm excited to see uh, how good he can be. Cameron Bell, another guy, is holding a lot of offers. Uh, Lemire Strickland is fantastic, big-time playmaker. Man, they are just going to be really, really good again. I look forward to uh, watching Red Bank and, and Chandler. It's kind of like what we did last year, man. We always talk. Uh, every week it felt like uh, Red Bank was one of those teams that we talked about a ton because they play so many big games and they are so good. 
Um, mm-hmm. I really feel like we're going to be talking Red Bank probably maybe eight, nine times over the course of a, of a 10, 11-week season. I mean, I, I think they've got a schedule that just sets it up where every game is a big game for them. Yeah, I think it's an insanely big, insanely tough schedule, I should say, against a bunch of big opponents, Chris. All right, we'll have more now. Today's Monday, so you get Chris Brown today. Now, coming up on Wednesday, we're going to visit with Damon Floyd, the uh, – head football coach over at Bradley Central. So we'll talk a little bit, talk about a guy that's got some playmakers uh, and some guys that are being recruited. Uh, Damon Floyd's got some Saturday players on his roster as well. So we're going to get a chance to talk with him a little bit about those Bradley Central Bears. That's coming up on Wednesday of this week. Jason Fitzgerald will join us on Friday, head football coach at Meigs County. We'll talk to him Friday uh, so stick around. We got more. We got three episodes this week. Three episodes coming your way this week of SETN Preps. He's Chandler. I'm Chris. Thanks for hanging out. We'll see you later this week.